Hello, guys. Welcome back to another episode of In the Zone. I'm Giancarlo Alino here with Chris Martelli and Anthony Piniello. And guys, just when you thought everybody stops talking about Mike Babcock, another story breaks over the weekend. Darren McCarty is the latest guy to talk about Mike Babcock. So only right that we do what we've been doing the last few weeks. Mikey's Minute. We've got Mr. Babs in the studio. How you doing, Mikey? It's good to be back, boys. How you doing today? <sighs> little... little a little sad to hear about this. You know, more players coming out. We know you. You're a great guy, charitable guy. What are your thoughts on what Darren McCarty said? You know, Darren McCarty was a great fourth liner for the most of his career. He was a hot shot in junior. And uh, if i got to be honest with you, I think he's just jealous that he was in the role that Zetterberg and Datsuk were in. And he, he was jealous of those players. You know, he was down there on the fourth line. He wasn't really doing a whole lot there. And now he comes out all these years later talking all this shit, trying to be cool like everybody else. You know, it's kind of pissing me off. I'm good to see you guys, though, for real. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, you know what? It is great to see. This is three weeks in a row. This is a record. You know what? We should have all these ex-Red Wings come on the show, too, because I think you would you would just rip them apart, wouldn't you, Babs? Definitely. You know, I really would. You know, <laughs> you play 17 games in the final year. We lose in the finals. And, you know, I don't know what his, I don't know what his problem is exactly. He did, it was like Commodore before. He didn't even fucking play for me. And he still comes out and talks all this shit. Are you are you more supo- uh, surprised with McCarty coming out or Chelios? You got to say I'm pretty surprised with Chrissy. You know, one of the better players of all time, and you know, I'm very disappointed in him. Didn't think he would uh, sink that low to attack one of the greatest coaches ever. Uh, just before you, you go, uh, I have one one more question for you. With in terms of the Swedish players you've coached in your career, you know Nick Lidstrom, Johan Franzen, Henrik Zetterberg. What are your thoughts overall on, on on the Swedish mentality and the Swedish type of style to the, to the game? Because I know you're very old school. Well, you know, I don't have a problem with the Swedes, but there's a certain name you said in there, and the mule Johan Franz, and little, uh, some things have coming up recently. I think we talked about it last week. Fucking name's coming up all the time now. But, you know, I love Datsuk, and I love Zetterberg, and all those goddamn Europeans, but the mule, that soft little bitch, you know, he just threw everything off here, and, you know, he's the reason why the Red Wings are where they are now. It's 100% his fault. Uh, I'm looking uh, I'm looking forward to be here next week, boys. I'm sure someone will say something else. Well, that, that's it for Mike this week. That was very... Wow, he got heated, eh? He yeah, we know. Holy the shit. The cherry is going to throw at your wall. He, 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 his face gets really red. It does. Like... Like a Detroit Red Wings logo, very, very red. Um, but he, you know, he's he's a good sport about it. He's been he's been getting ripped on for like a month now. Yeah. And he's been a great sport. And uh, yeah, it was just great to have him. Now we got to just go back into the swing of things again. Talk about uh, talk about Nathan McKinnon quickly, because this guy has fifty points. He is literally carrying Jonas Donskoy. Yes, he is. And, uh, okay, no, Donskoy was a great – he's a great player. He's, what, a 45-point guy in San Jose. What was he, second line, third line? I don't really – Yeah, second. He's one of those guys like um, – <clears throat> he's like I like what I'd want Kapanen to be kind of. Oh, man. Yeah, he, he's uh, he's been great, but do you guys put, like, Nathan McKinnon top three – right now yeah is he number one arguably but i think like him and mcdavid going forward it's um i think you know what to expect from those two i had to bring mcdavid into this just because i see nate as like 
close to that level of just taking over the game every time they touch the ice. And uh, it's been amazing to witness this year what McKinnon's been doing. Yeah, he's up there. He's past Crosby. And Dry Settles in that conversation, too. I think those are the three big ones. And then once you go down, we'll have to see what Crosby does when he comes back. Hopefully the surgery, it wasn't like something I'll take away as ability on the ice but dry side on mckinnon mcdavid those are the premier guys in the league do you think with mckinnon's elite level of well not all of a sudden but he's taking his game to the next level right after matthew shane left colorado which was pretty ironic but do you guys is there any other surprises on the colorado avalanche i know i've before the season started i looked at their depth chart and they were more or less looked at as a Almost a two-line team. You had Rantanen, Landis Cog, and McKinnon. That's arguably the top three line in hockey. And then you had Nazem Kadri, Burakovsky come. Jonas Donskoy, Tyson Jost is trying to scratch into top six minutes. Are you guys surprised with how well they've done? Because I know Philip Grubauer, he's, he's been pretty good too as his first year as a starting goalie. I think now they're getting like, um, <clears throat> I think your cousin said, Steve, like he has them winning the cup. Because like going into the year, they're like, oh, they're a good team, but we'll see if their young guys can progress and make that next step. And I didn't know if they'd be able to. I thought they'd be good. But now they're they're being viewed as one of the best teams in the league, and I can't really argue it because all their young guys are really stepping up. But specifically, Kill McCarr, I'm surprised with. Like, I didn't think he'd be like, um, he'd come in and have like, you know, ups and downs and, oh, it's just a regular rookie year. He's coming in, and he has just taken over from Tyson Berry. And uh, he's, he's in the 20s. I think he for points, he just recently got hurt. So I'm uh, curious to see what they do going forward without him because he's played a huge part on that team. Yeah, especially with Barry going out, you would think that would leave such a big void in their defense. The scoring back there in McCarr just went in that role, took over. And then your t- the offense there, their team is crazy, all the scoring they have. And they have a ton of cap space. So if they do work their magic at the deadline, Joe Sackick comes around, looks at other teams. This team could be dangerous. Well, we talked about Taylor Hall before we were live. He is a big trade big trade candidate at the trade deadline. I think this trade deadline is going to be very entertaining. That's my prediction. But Taylor Hall has been rumored to go to Colorado. If this is the case, what are the Devils getting in return and where does Taylor Hall slot in on this lot on on this team? Does he push Jonas Donskoy down to the third line? Does he push Burakovsky out of a top six role? Does he push Landiskov off the top line? Like what where would Taylor Hall you think fit with Colorado? Yeah, that's for sure. I think Landiskov will go down to Kadri's line. A little similar a bit with their style. And then Ranton and McKinnon and oh, just scoring. I will, whenever they want. And then another name floating out there is Petrangelo. So imagine Colorado, all the space they have, they can afford both if they get creative. They have a lot of cap space, a lot of prospects. And Joe Sackick, as we saw, what he did with Duchesne, that guy is a magician. So I have confidence in them. Uh, I would love to see Kadri with Hall, just because that top line's been so highly touted for the last year or so. And, uh, you know, you have, a, I guess we'll say, an average skater in Nas. The game, I don't know if the game's, like, the speed game has passed them by in that way, but seeing him in Hall on the second line, like, that's most teams 
you can roll with that as a top line. So I would really just be excited for their power play. I I don't see – I don't know if I see Taylor Hall on Colorado. I just look at all the cap space and, uh, you know, they still have so many guys on, like, rookie contracts. You look at all their defensemen. No one's really up anytime soon. If they can swing it, I, I think they would be a good move. I, I just – because Taylor Hall is a guy where – I'm not saying he has a big ego, but I'm saying that it could get in the way with morale with the team and the chemistry. So I don't know if Joe Sackick would – I know like anyone would take a risk on a Taylor Hall player. He's amazing. He just won the Hurt Trophy. But I don't I don't know – I don't see him fitting on Colorado. That's just my opinion. I don't, I don't see him being – I don't see him taking a limited role on the second line. I don't see that. I don't see him having a meeting with Joe Sackick and saying – Look, listen, Taylor, we love you. You just won the Hart Trophy, but we're going to stick with our captain on the top line. You're going to play about 16 minutes a night. Is that okay with you? Uh, you're going to contend for a cup. See what happens. I don't like okay, it. We talked about this, I think it was two weeks ago with the trades, with people uh, on the block. Taylor Hall, is he worth being that rental player like Matthew Shane, like Panarin was for – well, was he a rental for Columbus? No. That, that was Dezingle and Duchesne. Would would you say he's kind of more like that, or can you see Colorado right away with the cap space just re-signing him right away when they trade for him? I think they use his ego as their advantage, bring him in, and then that year he's going to want to prove himself. And then once they win a cup, or if they win a cup, I try to re-sign him. But if they don't, you just say, okay, thanks for your time. We're going to go with someone else. It's uh, <clears throat> no disrespect to Duchesne or Dezingle, but if a guy like Hall's available and you have him on your team for the meantime. I'm doing everything in my power to swing a deal to keep that guy. Okay. Yeah. Well, talking about the Leafs, the Leafs tonight face Vancouver. Janssen's injured, but we have actually Pontus Aberg, who last game we saw play on the top line. Do you guys think that's sticking? Do you guys like that move? What are you guys' thoughts on this new-looking lineup for Toronto? I don't think it's going to last. I think he'll continue to – you know, switch guys around the lineup like he's been doing. But, um, you know, Janssen's, Janssen's been good. It's pretty much what everyone's expected out of him this year. So losing him on that left side with Matthews is really going to hurt. I don't know if Aberg's going to stay there or what they're going to do, but not exactly that worried about the Leafs as I was maybe two weeks ago. Yeah, I think they're going to just shift everything around. I think I... I like what Keefe's doing with the lineups because he actually changes it up. He had Matthews, Tavares, Nylander at one point. I think we're going to probably see Matthews, Nylander, and Marner at some point tonight. So what he's been able to do is taking some risks. It's paying off, and hopefully their scoring jumps up as a result of this. Well, we're now going – the Leafs are now – they're on that road trip. They're facing Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary. And then right after that, it's going back Buffalo, New York, Detroit. So I'm not too worried with the schedule right now. I think if the Leafs could start clicking, it would be a perfect time right before Christmas. You could get maybe a five-game winning streak. And then, of course, you just head up the standings and then everything's pointing up. But are you guys – we're now – we're almost at Christmas and they're not in the playoffs. Are you guys a little worried at all? Because teams like Buffalo have improved quite a bit. I never. I didn't think the Islanders would be this good. Carolina's been great as well. Do you think a, a possible team like them could steal a spot from Toronto at this point in time? Because there have been some analysts that have said that it might be too late for the Leafs to 
make the playoffs. I think that might be a little too far fetched, though. Uh, I mean, it's it's possible. We see it every year. Like, it's not the same teams that make the playoffs. Someone always surprises. But um, with the way the Leafs are trending and with the talent that's on the team, I I do have faith that we can squeeze in there. But um, where we are in the standings right now, it's not the most. We're not really. It's not the most comforting. I'll say. So there is work that has to be done. And over the next few weeks, if the Leafs have like a negative record, then a team like Carolina or the Islanders or whoever Florida. can definitely push the Leafs out. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to take December, January. Those are important months for them, all the games they play in that span. And they're going to have to win at least 80% of them to be in a realistic position to make the playoffs. So they trend downwards and they don't get good service from their backup goaltender. Or their defense. This could be a sad discussion come trade deadline time. Do you guys see us making any big moves at the trade deadline? Ooh, man. I first thought of Tyson Berry, and it has nothing to do with his play. It's, <laughs> it's just because his contract's coming up, and maybe if a team in a better position can use a guy like that, and he's really, like, Colorado's retaining half his salary, so... You're basically getting like a third line player money and getting like a top acquisition. So if we're in a position where we have Tyson Berry, but like we're kind of like wasting him towards the end of the year, then I can see teams calling us and be like, hey, what's the deal with Buddy over here? I hope it's uh, Cody Cece. (laughs) (laughs) It's not going to happen, but we can all dream. It's a one-year deal, thank God. So at least they have money next year if Barry wants to stick around for a cheaper salary. But it's Cody Cece for me. I think Kapanen and Barry, I think, are the most attractive players right now available. I would have said Janssen, but this injury now, he's expected out at least four weeks. Or long-term IR means you're expected out 10 games minimum. So that's... Yeah, that's about a month. So Janssen's going to miss some time. I don't know if teams are going to want to take the risk at that time in February when he's going to be not fresh off the injury, but about a month back. I don't really know what to expect with returns, though, from Janssen and Kapanen. I know that Kapanen has, what, 22 points. Um, He plays penalty kill, plays about 15 minutes a night. I really don't know what to expect, though, with the return with Barry because Barry is a star player. We traded Kadri for Tyson Berry, and we just haven't got we haven't gotten the production that we thought. We all thought that he was a top ten fantasy defenseman at the beginning of the year. Yes, I brought that up, fortunately, but it's the truth. And uh, he hasn't been producing. He's been a little better recently with, under Sheldon Keefe. I think he's he has a little more freedom to move the puck. But Tyson Berry, I really don't know what the return would be if we traded him, and I don't really know if it would be worth it. Like, <clears throat> he's going to walk regardless. Yeah. So wouldn't it be better to get something? Because we, we seem to be giving away draft picks like nothing. I would take some draft picks back at the least. Yeah. Do you think we could potentially see a guy like a Muzzin going? I know that's that's probably like a head-scratcher to a lot of people <laughs> because he's been one of our best defensemen. But maybe if we're around, like, 12th in the east 11th in the east by that time and we're scratching a playoff spot maybe muzzin can give you back the best return maybe i don't know he's been playing amazing but again he's a ufa at season's end so that's another uh it's another 
shitty thing for the Leafs. It's looking like Nylander might have to go. We're back to this again? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, he's not going. He's, he's been too good. He's not going. Um, but overall, we could all say that we're... We're not dis- we're disappointed, but we're not we haven't lost faith yet. It could be way worse. Yeah. Oh yeah, we could be Red Wings fans. It has been way worse. <laughs> oh yeah, we've been we've been a part of the Hornet. We've seen Horn- the Horacek era, and I can't even say I don't even know if that's his name. I can't even pronounce it. Horacek. 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 Like Oh my God. Okay. Well, you know what? Let's talk about Philly. Konechny out indefinitely. We just saw a couple weeks ago Borowicki was looked at as a hero because he he was he he stopped that robber from from stealing that purse in Vancouver on the road trip and now all of a sudden bam he's the villain again he concusses Konechny he led their team in points out indefinitely it looked like the breakout year what does this mean for Philly? It's a shot in the arm because uh, guys like Giroux and Voracek are not and Couturier for that matter are not producing at the levels they should be. And Konechny, uh, 2015 draft, 22 years old, he coming off a 20-goal, 40-point year, and it, you know he was on pace to possibly get more points than that this year. And, yeah, it's just very unfortunate. And Philly's one of those teams where everything's going to have to go right for them if they want to get into the playoffs. So having one of their stars get hurt, especially their uh, top point producers, really going to shit on them. Yeah, they just have too many problems. All the seven million dollar contracts they seem to be giving out like nothing. CJVR, amazing. <sighs> Giroux and Voracek, like their team has a lot of problems, and they have talented players offensively. They just can't find any consistency in putting it in the net. Konechny actually led their team. He had twenty eight in thirty games, eleven goals, seventeen assists. And yes, he's only twenty two years of age, so he's probably the most one of the more exciting players for Philly's organization, but let's talk quickly about the guy that's actually come in the lineup quite nicely, Joel Faraby and Morgan Frost coming in just nicely. We knew that Morgan Frost was a pretty highly touted prospect. They traded uh, Braden Shen basically to get Morgan Frost, which is it's a big deal because Braden Shen's been rolling ever since he went to St. Louis. But yeah, where do you guys think these guys can uh, impact Philly uh, in the long run? Because right now, Konechny's out. Can Morgan Frost maybe step up on that first line? Can he maybe even start making Couturier produce? Uh, in the meantime, I, th- I think that's kind of what has to happen. Uh, but in the long run, I think Frost and Farabee and Konechny and their young D, like that's the group going forward. Those are the guys you're relying on. Like Farabee, for me, is the guy replacing Voracek. Yep. So, like... And we've seen already in the short span of games that they've played, like Frost is already looking like one of the better rookies in the league and him and Farabee. And, you know, they have other prospects coming up. So Philly's going to be a team to watch. Just maybe not this year. Yeah, I just think they should keep building up Frost and phase out some of the other guys as you go along. Don't put too much pressure on them because that market seems to love doing that, especially on goalies and centermen. So... Build him slowly, and then eventually when he's ready to take it on, he'll be one of their top point producers. Wow. Um, Tonight, we got Vancouver-Toronto. It's going to be a little preview. We'll talk about the preview. Austin Matthews has been amazing in his career against Vancouver. Pedersen is just a superstar. If you guys were to bank, who would get more points tonight? Who you got? Hutchison's playing Pedersen. If uh, Freddie's playing, 
<laughs> It'll be, Matthews. I think, Matthews, yeah. Arrow pointing up. <laughs> You're going with Austin Matthews? Well, it depends who's starting. He's been, <laughs> I, I, he's been pretty cold lately. Matthews? Yes. Like, stat sheet-wise? Stat just... sheet-wise. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we talked a little bit about him last night, how he's uh, not been uh, – he's not lived up to our expectations as a top-10 center. That's all uh, That's all I'm going to say. Uh, Pinello, if you want to add more, you, you can. If you don't – We brought up our top-10 list from earlier pods. Oh. And we were just like – He's not a top-10 <clears throat> center. Like, I don't change anything I said about his talent level and what he could be, but as of right now, there are a lot of holes in his game. And we also brought up JVR, how he looks like he's one of the better players in the game at times, and then he'll disappear at times. And Matthews tends to disappear when you need him the most. But when we play teams like Vancouver, I'm expecting a four-point game. We'll just see when it really matters. Yeah, that was perfect. Perfect. Um... Hutchison shouldn't be on the Leafs. I don't think there's a lot of head scratching moves that have been made over the last couple of weeks with like waivers, all that. Um, who was just on the waivers that was a goalie and got cleared? Oh, Kincaid. Kincaid. Yeah. How did that guy get cleared? You see his stats last year? He had like a 918 save last year. He was a big reason why the Devils almost made the playoffs. For like that, I think it was till around February, they were like in and around 9, 10th place because of Kincaid. Because Schneider was injured and he was just awful. So they literally were like, okay, we got Kincaid and Blackwood. Kincaid, you're the starter. And Kincaid literally was doing well. I remember last year, I think he was first star of November or some stat like that. So for me, that was a head scratch. I think the Leafs. Could have had a could have used a guy like Keith Kincaid right now, not Hutchison. Yeah, like most teams in the league have their backup position locked. No one's really giving them away. It's just everyone's good there. And then you look at the Leafs, and we've had problems there for a while. And the Buddy's probably making nothing. I, I don't assume Kincaid's making a lot. I'll say like nine fifty. Yeah, if anything, so, uh, a mill. If anything, like yeah, I would I would have taken a shot at it at least. <laughs> Even when we moved Picard, I was like, okay, why? Why did we move him? He's, what, 27, 26? He's yeah. young. Yeah, just just some things that you look back on, and they, they really had a lot of faith in Sparks, and it just did not work out. So now we're here. We did we had Michelinie as well, which should, not, should never have given up because he's turning into a pretty damn good goalie, or he has turned into a pretty good damn goalie. He knows what he is. He does it well. The last two years, he's averaged like a 926 save. Which is Dominic Hasek. Like, <laughs> it's confirmed. I, I can't. I can't. Um, I'm calling him now. Carolina's going to the Stanley Cup Finals. <laughs> calling James him Reimer, Peter Mrazek. James Reimer, Mrazek. You have Svechnikov. He's going to probably get like 17 goals in the playoffs. I don't know. I don't know. He's a player. If anyone knows who Svechnikov is or doesn't, he's uh, search him up. Second overall last year. Good Just player. Just Ovi this time. Yes. Yeah, don't go up to him and yeah. slash him. You're going to get killed. And say, oh, you want fight? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I do want fight. Man, Washington's scary, too. Their first place. Carlson's going to break records this year. Most points by a D in a single season since Bobby Orr. Have they signed backs from? No. I don't, think he, I don't think that's happening. 
Well, they were talking. Remember, they were getting the updates early on in the season, starting to discuss a contract extension. What do you expect that contract to be? He's 30, what, 32? And he's just coming off probably the biggest injury of his career. He's been out for a month. Yeah. He's, he's going he's gonna to take the secondary center role now. It's a given. Kuznetsov's probably better now. Uh, I'm, pretty, I'm, I'm giving Backstrom whatever. Like, he's, he's been there forever. He's been one of their... Bridge deal? He's arguably the best center in their history. So, um, <laughs> if, if he says, I want this, I'm going to say, okay. That sounds so far-fetched, but he is. It's actually hilarious. He's one of the better... Like, he's, he's one of the best playmakers we've seen in our generation. Yeah, he is. And yeah. arguably, like, the most underrated playmaker. Because no one talks about him because... Same with Giroux. He's a winger. Same so, with Giroux. Yeah, same with Giroux, but... You know, I don't think Backstrom's going to go through the door and be like, I did this, so I want the most. Like, he's, no. he's been there for a while. He's, he'll take a pay cut if he has to. He's on a very good – he's with a very good group of guys, so uh, I imagine he's going to continue to be the core of that team. I think he kind of took, like, a pay cut because he signed for a long time. When he signed, like, that extension, it was, like, what, nine years or something? Yeah, it was long. It, him, and Ovi, yeah. Yeah, him and Ovi were around the same time. I think Ovi yeah. signed it. Like two years after. This was like 12 years, and he's still into that contract. And then Backstrom, when they signed it at the time, like the cap hit and salary cap wasn't as big as it is now back then. So with what he's earning then, his contract looks like cheap right now. So if he used to go to open market, maybe a team wants to give him some more money, and maybe he could prove to the Washington Capitals and the rest of the league just how good he still is. Because I think he can surprise some people what team do you think uh could could take a nick backstrom though what team can you see him on see him on florida um i want to say arizona they need a centerman schmaltz is not he's great but he's not a number one center yet lacking something stepan is good but again not a number one center backstrom could ease into that role i guess for like he could hold. He could basically teach Nick Schmaltz how to be a number one center. You could have Backstrom go in, be like, "Hey, listen, I'll be the starting. I'll be the first line center for maybe two years of my contract," and then Schmaltz can finally come up, or Barrett Hayton can come up. So, I don't know. I don't really know where Backstrom can go. He's a tough because he's been on Washington his whole career. You can't. I can't really see him anywhere else. Uh, I can't see him going to the West. I can't see it. Uh, like Arizona is the only team in the West I can see. Maybe even Vancouver, but they have yeah, Pedersen. They, the they have Pedersen yeah. and Horvat, and yeah. that you're not. I'm not messing with that. So Detroit, they got a history with Swedes. Oh my, <laughs> Ottawa. Oh, man. the Florida one threw me off. Yeah, because then no, that means Trochek's out the door. No, he goes to the he's, wing. Been, he's been awful. He, he has not been good this year. <laughs> he, but again, I, I just hope it's the puck luck. He hasn't had any puck luck. So Trochek's a great player, though. Good little grinder. We love Nick Backstrom here. Yeah, Nick Backstrom's a beauty, but is Jakob Vrana, has he signed? Because he's actually been probably their third best player this season. I'll say Carlson, Ovi, then probably Vrana, third. Don't know if he signed because I think we would have heard about it. But I think he's the next guy. uh, You know what? I don't see him taking like a three, four-year deal. No, what do you see? You see like a six, seven? Kind of similar to what uh, Clayton Keller did, just like not the same money. I can see him. They'll be like, okay, I want to be here. Just just give me a long-term deal. I don't see him saying, let me bet on myself, and then we'll see where we're at. I but, can see him being a cap for a while. But where, do, where do you think his value's at, though, now? Because he went 13th overall. It took him a little while, but he's 
finally elevated his game quite quite by a, a lot. Like he, right now, his current sa- salary is three point seven. Yeah, so he'll obviously get a raise, but for the next couple of years, he's like a thirty and thirty guy, maybe. Yeah. It'll be tough with all the talent there, but he's gonna blend right in with that offensive game, and yeah, he's 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 an awesome player. Five and a half, probably six, like around there. Like a, like an Oshi type deal. Yeah. You think something like that? Oshi's another guy. He might be on the way out to make room for him. If like Backstrom's coming up I too, th- I, th- I think if anything, different. I think right now Backstrom might be the odd one out. Yeah, it really, eh? I, I think if I think right now, I think they they'd rather have Oshi than than Backstrom. If those names we're all bringing up. The Washington Capitals have had it nice over the last couple of years. Yeah, they have. Um, they're gonna. They should have a pretty deep playoff run. But uh, yeah, that's basically it for hockey for this week. Now we're gonna go into hoop. Uh, we're gonna quickly talk about the Raps last night. They were coming off an 0 and 3 week last week. They lost to all great teams though. They lost to um, Philly, Houston, and who was the other team they lost to? Miami. Miami. Philly, Houston, and Miami. You lose all three. You guys are. I hope you guys are not that worried. It's the Raps. You know they're 16 and seven, uh, one of the best home court teams in the NBA. Pascal Siakam has just elevated even more. Van Fleet knee contusion didn't play last night, but we still got the job done. Serge Ibaka dropped 11 points, 14 rebounds in 18 minutes last night, and sealed the win for the Raps. Now. I've been hearing a lot that Ibaka might be on the trade block for the Raps. Are you trading Serge Ibaka at this point? Because he's been he's been amazing the last year, and like I would say since January to now, ever since we got Marcus Saul. I don't know if Marcus Saul's taught Serge any new stuff, but man, Serge has just surged. He's been amazing. Um, <laughs> Yeah, what are you guys' thoughts on uh, Serge potentially being on the trade block? But this guy, he balled last night. Can you imagine, though? Like, what did you do if, let's say, they go to Ibaka, they put him, maybe a couple second-rounders, conditional first, to Cleveland for both Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson? I don't think they're doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's been the chatter going around Kevin Love wants to go to a contender and Tristan Thompson I don't know for why whatever reason he's being linked to the Raptors maybe just because he's Canadian but the only way how that would work is we would need OG and Siakam to be just as better defensively as Serge because I love Kevin Love his defensive game is not even close to Serge Ibaka's it's not even can't even compare it well you have to get a player back for sure because Gasol's also 30 31 million yeah, so like those two guys, if they if they're out the door, you're kind of fucked at that position there. Well, we do have Chris Boucher, but he's not ready, I don't think, to be a starter in this league. It all looks nice yet. a few years from now, but like you were saying, you were just saying with Serge, like Gasol teaching him the way Gasol can go like fucking ten, two, and four every night, and no one's gonna give a shit because he has a role on the team and he does it well. Serge is very similar, so if you lose both those guys, I, I think we're in very big trouble. Yeah, like you mentioned, uh, doing a trade with Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love. If you change, if you completely trade, change the front court, you can completely change the culture too with the team. Because Serge and Marcus Saul, they've just brought a different type of energy to this team, and I can't see, I can't see us trading with Cleveland. I just can't see that. 
I mean, I've heard Surge for Wiggins straight up, but that's not happening. No, that's not happening anymore. Too good to be true. Um, but, yeah, last night we barely beat the Bulls. We won by one point. Um, Lowry, you said, looked good. Levine looked good. But, wow, Chris Dunn, Laurie Markkinen, Kobe White. They were awful last night for the Bulls. Do you guys expect the Bulls to ever get over that hump and ever be that status? Remember, like, they were in 2011 with Derrick Rose, Taj Gibson, Luol Deng? Do you think they'll ever be that type of team again with this core? No. It's going to take. <laughs> no. Actually, you know what? In the offseason, Anthony Davis is a free agent. And I have a feeling, come playoff time, LeBron James, like, he just does a great job at making his teammates hate his guts and turning everything into him. The LeBron show, Anthony Davis is going to probably be like, the hell with this? I'm leaving, going to Chicago. And I think hometown kid with those guys, <laughs> you're good to go. If that happens, I'm laughing at LeBron forever. He got trolled very hard. You trade your whole core for one player for one year. And if the Lakers don't win this year and Davis doesn't sign, oh my. LeBron is basically the New York Knicks. He got trolled completely. But I hope Davis doesn't do that to LeBron. They have... Some great chemistry, having a lot of dinners together on Taco Tuesdays. So, you might tell him take that Taco Tuesday and shove it up your ass. I'm going to Chicago, MJ's town. <laughs> Speaking of the Lakers, do you think Davis has been better than LeBron? Yeah, but he is a little bit injury prone. So, I'd monitor the minutes a little bit, not play him crazy amount. Dwight Howard's there, and then when Boogie Cousins is cleared to play, you got him coming off the bench. So. In the meantime, I would still monitor his minutes. Javal McGee, like, use the guys around him if you don't need to win by, like, five points. If you're already winning by 20, just rest them the rest of the game. Make that your load management. Just uh, ask me come playoff time. <laughs> because Davis, I'm not surprised that he's scoring more. But the question for Davis, we all know the Lakers are going to be amazing with the talent they have. But Davis is unproven in the playoffs. They got swept the one time they went there. So I'm just curious to see how he reacts to this new environment around him. I I disagree with that because he dropped 40 points almost every game for the Pelicans in that series, but he did get swept. But he did face Golden State. So uh, Davis, he's been in a different position where people say he's not a good playoff performer because he hasn't been successful, but... Man, he's been on the Pelicans, and they faced Golden State last year. Or I don't know if it was last year or two years ago, but him and Drew Holiday were averaging like 36 points, both of them. So you can't really blame – like they faced Golden State. You have Curry, Thompson, Durant. They won it that year. We all know that they swept LeBron in the finals. So they're 21-3, and the Lakers. They have Davis. They have LeBron. Dwight Howard has looked absolutely fantastic. Caruso has been great. Just they're 21 and three. They're the, they're the same record as the Bucks. Both of them are 21 and three. And the, the scariest thing is they don't even have Boogie Cousins in the lineup. <laughs> Do you guys really think that this team is going to lose more than 15 games this year? Because Boogie Cousins comes back in the lineup and is just like how he was in Golden State, just averaging like. He doesn't even have to average much. Average like 12 and 10. 
That's all you have to average. And that's basically perfect for the Lakers. There, for me, there's no way in hell I don't see them not finishing first anymore. Like, I mean, before I thought it was a closer race, but the Lakers are 21-3. and three. Davis is looking like he's getting better every game. He dropped 50 points the other night. 20 of 29 from the floor. That is just absolutely outstanding. He's so smart. He doesn't shoot a lot of threes either. He only shoots the three when it's open and when he knows he's going to make it. LeBron even, he hasn't even been scoring as much. He's been giving it to Davis. He's been feeding the ball more. He leads the league in assists. 17th season, by the way, in the league. So for me, it's it's a foregone conclusion for me that I think the Lakers are finishing first in the West. I think it's a foregone conclusion for me with this whole load management bullshit with Kawhi. I don't, I don't know. I feel, I feel like the Lakers are the team to beat now. Yeah, probably. Yeah. That's about it. Um, Houston is actually in fifth place right now in the West. We've seen though Russell Westbrook the last, I think three games before yesterday, he was getting triple doubles three games in a row. Um, Russell Westbrook's actually gotten better as well. Every game he's, Try to see what his chemistry is with Harden because Harden and Westbrook have had the highest usage rates the last four years, and now they're finally putting it together. Do you guys see Houston maybe climbing the standings to second, third? And can you see this team beating the Lakers come playoff time? I see them finishing around fourth again. And in that spot, then come playoff time, it's a whole different ball game because then Westbrook and Harden, they're going to play different. Their styles are in that system. Harden, you know, is going to get all the threes, so it's going to be a tough matchup for LeBron and even Anthony Davis because Davis, when he comes out, it leaves him vulnerable down the middle, and you don't know if Cousins comes back, if maybe rolls his Achilles again. Don't want to risk that, so having Harden just go off and shoot threes from all over the place might help him. I got to say for Russ, I did not think he'd have it in him to take on a reduced role because he, like, he knew what he was getting into. He knows it's Harden's team, so I'm, I feel kind of proud of him that he went into there and you know he's taking on less minutes and he's got a different role now, and I love the way that team is set up. Capella's playing amazing. But like if they run into the Lakers, like Alino just said, it's a whole different ball game, and I think there's a 0% chance they come out of that series. 0% chance, okay. Yeah. Harden can put up 50 every fucking game and LeBron will shut him down. Probably, yeah. That didn't really make a whole lot of sense, but if they're going to score 90 points in Harden and Westbrook, it's going to look amazing on paper. But at the end of the day... Well, the guy that would be guarding LeBron is probably like an Eric Gordon. So, yeah, yeah, that's not... That's not good enough. It'll be on the game flies and they'll uh, change some things un- up. But. Unless you mix – because Mike D'Antoni is not a defensive coach at all because Houston has averaged the most points per game for the last three years. We all know that. James Harden's dropped 30 points per game the last three straight years, which is it's unheard of. But I, if, if they face the Lakers in the playoffs, wouldn't you think you would put Westbrook against LeBron? I know, okay, what's Westbrook? 6'4", 6'5", and then you have LeBron who's around 6'8". Do you think that three-inch difference is a big difference for Westbrook? Because he's, he's a horse. He's one of the most athletic guys I've ever seen. I don't know. I, I wouldn't count Houston out. But, yeah, like if, if Davis is going to continue to get better and LeBron is going to continue to lead the league and assist in your 17th season, they're not they're – not, they're not un- they're un- they're unbeatable. They're not no one's gonna beat them. Nobody. Like I love Paul George. I love Kawhi. I love them. They're 
I said before the season started, they were the better duel. They were better than Davis and LeBron going into the year. LeBron had an off year last year, came off a really scary groin injury. But this load management thing, I'm sorry, I'm not I'm not for it at all. If you're if you're a big star and you just came off one of your biggest, most historical playoff runs, and you're gonna play like 55 games the next year, it's like I know a lot of people believe in playoffs matter and regular season really doesn't matter. But we have all these awards for the regular season for a reason. MVP, most improved player, six man of the year, coach of the year, all defensive team, all offensive team. We have all these teams during the regular season. Wouldn't you want a Kawhi Leonard to play 82 games? It diminishes the legitimacy of the league. That's what I'm saying. That's why I'm very disappointed with how the Clippers have managed their team so far. Kawhi's playing, I think he's played only like... They've, okay, they're 18 and 7. What is that? That's like 25 games. They've He's probably played like 16, 15 games. He's already missed 10 games. And Paul George as well, coming back. I love Paul George. He could probably play. You could. He's played. I'm pretty sure he's played a full 82 before with Indiana. Yeah. But, man, he's been injured and like he's been in and out of the lineup. And like it's just I don't see this team beating the Lakers if they're going to continue to have these problems. Because Patrick Beverly, I love him. Not the offensive guard. He's not a. He's not going to guard LeBron. He can't can't guard him. And then of course you have guys like Harrell has been amazing for the Clippers, but he's not going to he's not going to be he's not going to outplay uh, Anthony Davis. We all know that Zubac is not going to outplay Davis. Um, then you have guys like Maurice Harkless, Jeff Green. Like they're good, but they're not good enough to beat the Lakers. So. For now, I'm going to stick with the Lakers to probably win the West. I know it's still early, only 25 games in, but that's my prediction. They're 10 and 2 at home, and they're 11 and 1 on the road. The Lakers, 11 and 1 on the road. That that's amazing. But let's just quickly talk about. We talked about the good. Now let's talk about the bad. We got the Warriors, the Pelicans, the Knicks, and the Cavs, all at the bottom of the basement. There have been rumors that the Golden State Warriors are willing to trade their first-round pick this year for a star player. What are your guys' thoughts on if this were to happen? It means that their scouting department is absolutely horrible, and they never thought they'd be in this position, so they probably never invested money in a scout because they figured, okay, we have all these superstars. We don't need a scout to draft free agents, so... I think this is a smart move on the GM thinking, okay, I know my staff sucks. I'm just going to trade the pick for a proven player. And hopefully that that draft pick, that first overall pick, turns out into a bust and doesn't turn into like the second coming of MJ. Yeah, I think they can use another star. <laughs> nice <laughs> center, power forward. <laughs> no, there's like, let the year play out. Draft the fucking wherever you are. You'll be like one to five, 100%. And then you get everyone back next year, and you're pretty much the same team. You know what's hilarious? Golden State has Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and D'Lo, all backcourt-type players. The one year where the top the top predicted prospect is James Wiseman, or whatever his name is, Wiseman, the Florida guy that's not even playing, and he's just going to fall to Golden State. He's going to fall to them and... He's going to be the next DeMarcus Cousins, and he might even be better. And you know what? 
They're going to win another four rings. And then Curry will be better than LeBron James whenever, when it's all said and done. You know who needs this pick more than anyone? Stephen A could vouch for that. <laughs> Stephen A could vouch for me. The New York Knicks. They've lost nine straight games. They just fired their head coach. Guys like Marcus Morris are averaging 22 points per game. And he's an unrestricted free agent next year. The Knicks know they're not signing him. The Knicks know they're not signing Bobby Portis. And the Knicks know they're not probably not signing uh, Dennis Smith Jr. So, man, the only guys here that I'm looking at that are on this team for the long run are Frank Nittokina, Julius Randle, and R.J. Barrett. They need that first pick. They need it. They're the worst team in the league. It's just a matter of if luck could go on their side. And I'm going to pray for them because they need it back. I don't want Golden State to get it. And the Pelicans don't need it. They have Ingram, Hart, Lonzo, Zion, Drew Holiday, Derek Favors, J.J. Redick. They don't need – how are they doing that bad? I just listed like six <laughs> great players. Jesus. But there have also been rumors that Brandon Ingram is going to get a max contract and the Knicks are the team – to offer it to him this offseason. Just like they were going to offer it to LeBron. <laughs> just like they're going to offer it to KD. And to Kyrie. Kawhi, Kyrie. Everyone's going to the Knicks. And then Julius Randle ends up there. I feel bad for Stephen A. <laughs> I'm going to say that every time. But yeah, that's it for ball. We got to go to the ring now. WWE. They're a, they're, a, they're a great company. They're hilarious. You know why? Because they just release a bunch of guys. Just, you know, just... Yeah, sure. Like Luke Harper just came back, had a nice big on-screen moment with Eric Rowan. And everyone's like, oh, is this guy going to get a push? And then, bam, he's out the door. He finally gets what he wants. What are your guys' thoughts on Sin Cara, Luke Harper, and the Ascension being released? Start with Luke Harper. Uh, I'm happy they actually went through with it because he's, I think, 39 years old. Uh, in the world of wrestling, that's... That's very old, and uh, you know it takes a toll on you. And he's still got some time to work some magic wherever he wants to go. So I'm happy they didn't continue to fucking freeze his deal and wait another six months. And so I'm happy they let him go. And you wanna you wanna talk about Sin Cara? That's been a oh geez, I thought that happened years ago. <laughs> oh geez, yeah, Sin Cara was just a big fat letdown. Right from the get-go. Injury that, after injury. Hunico. Uh, oh, my. I love that Hunico character. Dimming the lights. No one can see shit. You know who he faced in his debut? Chavo Guerrero. He beat him in seven minutes. And it was off of, like, a botched, like, I don't even know what it was. It was, like, a springboard, I think, or a hurricane runner. No, it was a head scissors. A head scissors turned into, like, a bulldog. And he oh, slammed man. his head, and I was like, what What was that? And that was the pin, and that was it. But Sin Cara was superstar for WWE merchandise. I remember the sales that Sin Cara apparently put out was always in the top 15 for WWE superstars, which is kind of not far-fetched. Everyone likes wearing a mask, you know? All these little kids, they just put the Rey Mysterio, the Sin Cara mask, you know? Well, and fucking before he came over as Mystico... He was, like, one of the biggest stars in Mexico. And, you know, in WWE, they're like, oh, we're just signing another, you know, hotshot free agent with some buzz, and he's going to help us out. And 
it did the exact opposite. And <laughs> it's kind of a mystery because he was, he was amazing and very highly touted. And it's like any draft prospect that comes into any league that you watch and it doesn't translate and you're like, what the fuck happened? And you don't really, you can't explain it. It just didn't work out in the WWE. Yeah, well, they brought that mystical guy in to play Sin Cara the first time and then they fired him. What they they put Unico under the mask? I don't know why. They should have just dropped the mask thing, dropped the luchador gimmick, go back to being Unico with Camacho <laughs> coming in on the bike. He's a little badass even backstage. All the fights apparently he's been in. He's a little bad, rough dude. I don't know why you want to have him under a mask. I'd see perfect fit for Unico. Go back to that character in AEW, Santana, Ortiz, and Unico. No one's gonna fuck with those three. Just have them together. And then Luke Harper. AEW. AEW for sure. But I don't want to see them make them the king of the lights out matches. Like tone it down over there. Don't make it like CZW with like cinder blocks and light bulbs like breaking all over the place. <laughs> and then uh, the Ascension with the other guys. Don't go to AEW. They need to go to like Impact. Yeah. Build themselves up again. Build a new character, and then once you get some buzz over there, then you go to like AEW or New Japan. I think Luke Harper to AEW is an absolute. It's so good for Luke Harper. I'm so happy for him because he had that run in 2016, and he was very intriguing to the fans. The fans really gravitated towards him. Remember, it was the Orton, Wyatt, and Harper triple threat that was teased for mania and everyone was behind luke harper at some point and it was like oh my god i forget that this guy was an intercontinental champion and he was just so athletic for his size as well uh the wwe is definitely gonna miss luke harper and the bludgeon brothers definitely gonna miss him uh, but hopefully this doesn't ruin eric rowan because uh he's also leaned down he's uh probably looked the best and the most you know he's been probably the most interesting he's ever been and you could thank Daniel Bryan for that, but uh, yeah, Eric Rowan, hopefully they don't just drop the ball with him. I know they have recently with Strowman. We haven't even seen him on TV. Uh, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> it's just like there's just guys like Harper that bring something to different guys. And like I think Harper was just – he was that guy for the Bludgeon Brothers. He was there. It's like, okay, like this guy is scratching to be a single star. At one point, I thought he was the same as Rusev. It's like you're scratching to make that – to get that spot. And you and he just – he was never going to get that spot in WWE. And I'm glad that he's now going to go to AEW and probably be with Marty Skrull because I know he's going to AEW. That for me is a foregone conclusion. But uh, let's just talk, I guess, about Seth Rollins because – he became a dick all of a sudden. Screw him. He's an asshole. <laughs> I'm kidding. Nah, if anything, the fans are assholes. We've apparently been disrespecting him for so long. And then, yeah, he just gets his boys again. He had J&J security, and now he has the AOP. But this time, he's the leader. So we will see how this plays out. Do you guys like how it was delivered? And do you guys like how now we have Kevin Owens as the top base on Raw? Yeah, it's pretty funny. But uh, yeah, anytime Seth is a heel, he needs a fucking crew behind him. So I guess it makes sense. Uh, haven't seen heel Seth in a few years. I'm kind of excited again. The dy dynamic of him and Owens kind of switching like Miz and Brian. And the first time we saw him, we we're like, oh, all right. This should be fun. This one should be fun. Let's see where it goes. They're going to screw this up. There it is. For sure. Because <laughs> Royal Rumble's coming around. 
you kind of have Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins as like two of the favorites and one of them winning. I think they're building up Seth to go over Kevin Owens, kind of ruin his push. But the way they delivered it, it was a little cheesy, sitting in a truck and just turns around in a chair like, <laughs> and comes out, does a curb stomp on Kevin Owens. His promo was good, though. I liked it. How uh, he brings up Brock. He's like, I beat him two times this year, too. It's time for me to push back. <laughs> so, yeah, his heel run should be better than the face run. Do you actually expect them to actually make Seth Rollins like a Royal Rumble favorite? You think they would really do that, like back-to-back years? Like, that's Roman Reigns territory. I think they'll make you believe that he will, but if he were to win back-to-back, that is some serious elite company. That's Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels. Hulk Hogan might be it. That's it. That's it. Um, (laughs) But, again, I don't see a guy like Rollins going into a rumble at 30. That's just not him at all. Remember Roman coming out at 30? We're like, they're trolling us. Really? He comes out, no Finn Balor. And I'm, oh, yeah. Finn's returning. Yeah. Samoa Joe's debuting. <laughs> no, nope, it's Roman Reigns. It was just in a match, too. But Roman's going to come out at 30 and eliminate all these guys. Apparently, they did all that just to have Randy Orton get the pop. Like, so they can end the Royal Rumble on a high note. I believe it. Because yeah. I remember <laughs> when, when he eliminated Reigns, everyone was like, yeah! And then, like, literally a day later, it's like, wait, what? Randy won? He's in the Wyatt we were We were included in that. It's like, Randy won the Rumble? Okay, sure. Interesting. But before we, like, actually talk more about the Seth Rollins and the Royal Rumble and all that, Sheamus yes. has been teased. But, like, his old look. Not the you look stupid look. Not the stupid little dangling things from his beard and the... Big ass faux hawk. Is it Sheamus's time again? <laughs> I mean, Brock's on a hiatus. He does. He has the belt. He's on a hiatus. The Fiend has the other belt. Is Sheamus gonna come back and actually win a belt, or is he gonna put talent over? Probably put talent over. But yeah. <laughs> I think uh, he's teasing you with this old 2012 face turn. It looks yeah. so good though. Because <laughs> it's. It's like almost identical to what he was doing. I think he's going to like come out or re-debut or whatever you want to say and then just like completely do something different. (laughs) Like be a heel? I love that. I love that. what you see on the camera. (laughs) Well, remember when he came back the first time? When? It was after after Mania. Remember when he came back with that look? Oh, yeah. And he helped out Brian and then he beat the shit out of him. We're like, yeah, you're not a face with that fucking look. I mean, like he doesn't need a – he should be putting talent over. I, w- I would say just put champion. just put him against Shane, uh, Shinsuke and then have Shinsuke win. There's so, the first. It's a lot to do with Sheamus. Yeah. Just hopefully he can uh, stay healthy because he is in the best shape of his life now. Oh yeah, he's sh- he's shredded. Celtic yeah. warrior workouts. <laughs> he's got Cesaro too. Do you think they go with that feud if he's a face? They make Cesaro. They're both on the same show. Yeah, I. I want to see something different. They've done that so many times, and the chemistry is obviously there. But if that's what it's going to take to actually have Cesaro featured every week, sure. I'm all in on that because Cesaro needs to be featured every week. He's that good. Let's see him go after Baron. Go after King Corbin. Oh going to take you out, fella. <laughs> Just troll him with his crown. Corbin, Corbin is probably the most improved player in WWE. From, this, from 20, the beginning of 2019 to now, I think he might be the most improved player. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of what, though? Just like his like his look, 
his consistency. He's been pretty good. He's been put in that role. Like I know, like it's been longer than a year, but I feel like every time I see him, he he pulls something out of his out of his good old tricks. Like I remember, I watched the match. It was like two months ago, and I I saw him do a couple moves. I think it was against Cedric. And again, you can't really have a bad match against Cedric, but like Baron looked amazing, and even was, uh, it, was it two years ago when remember it was like he had the long hair. He would put on matches with Ziggler on SmackDown, and like they were good, but there was there was something missing there. And I feel like now with the look, the buzzed head, the crown, he's got the mojo. He's rolling. I think he's. Uh, I feel like he needs to get a bigger push. As many uh, people may hate me by saying that, he's one of the best, most consistent heels in the company. So I feel like 2020, we might see him win a major belt, and I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> consistency i'll agree with because people consistently boo him so he's he's doing something <laughs> right but um uh i think the series with chad gable really i'm not gonna say won me over but like it made me look at him as maybe more of a big game player i think it was their match on raw and it wasn't even the best out of their little mini series they had i think it was right after the king of the ring finals it might have been like the night after yeah he's he's been very consistent the last year with good quality matches. He hasn't really had a dud in a long time. We know what he is. You can put him against a, a credible face and it'll immediately make that program more interesting because Corbin is just a dick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, before we go off, I just want to quickly talk about TLC a bit, like the builds. Kabuki Warriors have been featured. They're the, probably the top heels in the women's division. They've been beating up Charlotte and Becky. What the hell are they doing with Charlotte and Becky? Is there... Any meaning towards this Raw Women's title right now? Is there anything being generated? Like, she's not even in a program for the belt. She has defended it in about two months, Becky Lynch. Death. Yeah. So what the hell is the, the issue there? Do you think they're just grooming it for Ronda to come back? And, I think so. Yeah? It's yeah. a possibility. I think that TLC, maybe we see her i know i've been saying this since like survivor series built up but i think eventually it's inevitable she's gonna come back and lead to either a tag match with her and Shayna versus them two at wrestlemania or another triple threat rematch what do you guys want to see moving forward with the rumble like that build because we we have bray wyatt versus the miz at tlc i have no idea how that's turning out because it's bray wyatt from the firefly funhouse mr rogers it's not the fiend. Muscle man dance. Taking on Mr. <laughs> Daddy, the Miz, the dad. Um, I like how the Miz is in this uh, set. He's in this program, but he really hasn't done anything for a while. Hasn't been that relevant for, I'll say, two months about. I don't know what to expect moving forward with Fox and the fiend as the universal champion. Yeah. I have no idea. Who knows what's I have happening. no idea what they're building because I've been reading over and over again that they're going with Roman Reigns to beat the Fiend at Mania. And I swear to God, if they do that, they're just running into the same storyline, the same build, the same result all the time. And if they think that this will lead to a coronation for Roman Reigns... They are flat out out of their mind. Yes, he's been getting cheered more. He's put talent over. He's actually made some stars. Remember that match with Buddy Murphy? Oh, that was incredible. But 
you can't have him have another mania moment and beat the fiend. And do you guys agree with me on that? I uh, who the hell degree, yeah. who, who does the fiend lose to? The Undertaker. <laughs> no, no. I'll say maybe Alistair Black. Yeah. Because he's been built up as this monster. Okay, if, if you give it to Black, though, then, like, he's put him in the main event of WrestleMania. Because, like, he just beat Seth Rollins, or not Rollins, he just beat Daniel Bryan, and, um, yeah, he beat Seth for the title. So, like, if you're viewing The Fiend as that guy, and you're going to give it to a guy that's been cutting backstage promos for the last four months, you better be all in on Aleister Black. So for them to say Roman Reigns, my reaction is like, okay, yeah, who else? They've been coronating them. Like he's had enough moments. Like he beat yeah, Rock, he beat Undertaker. That's what beat, I'm. That's like, what I'm trying any to. Any more moments he needs? Like, that's what I'm trying to vouch for. Just try and I know that there's not a lot of names out there right now, but I'd rather have like a Daniel Bryan be in that Spock Mania season than Roman Reigns again. I agree with like I agree with all that. It's just I don't know if they're gonna consistently go with that. I use Black because, like, can you really see them looking at Aleister Black and saying, okay, that's our guy for the next four years in the main event? No, but, again, for WWE sometimes it's more about character. They look at meshing characters. Like, we always talk about Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt because of the the characters they have. Black and Bray Wyatt make sense, but realistically, one's on Raw and the other's on SmackDown, and Black, again, hasn't been featured enough, and I've... Still baffles me why he has, and I know he's like I guess they're making him like mysterious, and that's his character. But yeah, there's not a lot of people like Finn Balor. I would say is the right person, but he just lost to to, to the Fiend, and now he's in NXT and he's one of the best heels there. So Keith Lee, ooh, <laughs> Keith Lee versus the Fiend. He would have to jump up to SmackDown though, but. Uh, I can't see that yeah. at all. At all. Or if they just want to save it, keep building up The Fiend even more, just have like a part-timer match, like have The Fiend face Kane, have Kane retire or something, and <laughs> can at least build that story, and then The Fiend goes on another year, and then the next year you have Aleister Black face him. Like if they really want The Fiend to hold it till Mania, I wouldn't even have him hold it till Mania. Just have him lose it if he has to lose it. Protect him. Have him lose it in the chamber. Have everyone beat the shit out of him in the chamber and just eliminate him and that's it it's like okay and then maybe he gets revenge later but i can't see the fiend being groomed this much and like his merchandise sales have been amazing the character's been amazing it's a it's been a it's been a grand slam it's been a home run for wwe in general but i can't see him going into mania facing okay let's say he faces the royal rumble winner and i can't see him losing clean i just can't see that then what the hell happens after that for the fiend Know what I mean? What he goes on a little hiatus again, come back at Survivor Series? Like, no, I don't want that. It's, they put themselves in a corner with having Brock and the Fiend. I think as champs. I think that like it's good for the entertainment and for the interest, but not a lot of names, not a lot of credible names. To Unless be. he loses at TLC, they make it a title match. The Fiend doesn't lose. It's Bray Wyatt, and you have the Miz and Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. Daniel Bryan wins a Rumble. Have the Miz turn heel again. And you roll with that. The Fiend, after you can match him up with Roman, maybe, if you want to do that non-title. Not, it doesn't have to be. We've been game. saying that for so many. <laughs> how, how many times have we said that? 
The Miz versus Daniel Bryan for the WWE title. It's perfect. That would be a smooth transition to get the title into the other program, but the only like, what would you do with the Fiend? That's it's what a I, tough one. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's they put themselves in a tough spot because they went with the Fiend over Brock for Fox, which is, I mean, it's the right move, but I really don't. I, I, well, maybe we'll talk about this next week because I don't want to talk about it too much. But like Brock Lesnar, like he's the champ. I don't have anybody on Raw beating him. I have nobody. I'm looking at all the names. Like if Seth just turned heel, no. You know who it should be? Yeah, Kevin Owens There's or Drew McIntyre. Fucking that guy. But but both he. <laughs> but he's a heel and he's beating guys like Matt Hardy. <laughs> That's where we're at. Yeah. We didn't think we'd be here fucking oh, year man. ago when he came back. Well. I remember, like, it was near the Rumble. Our pods were solid because we're like, okay, Seth is the top face. Have him beat Brock. And then you have Drew, who's the next best heel. They go at it. And then from what? From Mania on, Drew was nowhere. And he had a terrible Roman Reigns singles match at Mania. The Very underwhelming. The worst time to disappear. And for so many guys, it seems to happen during Mania season. And then they just get shafted, and you don't hear about him for so long. Well, like Ric Flair, like introduced him back, and he's had a little bit of momentum. But I can't put him all the way against Brock already. I can't be. Oh yeah, Drew's gonna face Brock in February in uh, Mania or in April. Like, if no. he randomly won the Rumble, that would yeah. convince me a little bit. Yeah. Like, there's always like five to ten guys, and like, oh, I'm gonna win the Rumble, and they never fucking win. Drew can be one of those guys that don't promote it, just. People it. know you're in the match and go out there take out eight guys. And they, yeah, but they don't do that enough. No. They should do that. Like what they did with Sheamus. They built him up. And it was like, oh, it's Jericho. He's returning. He's winning. And then, bam, there's a surprise. And me and this guy loved it. The guy beside us didn't, but we loved it. <laughs> he literally lost it. She, like, it was the funniest thing. Me and Pinello looked at him. We're like, wow, you must really hate Sheamus, eh? Like he's <laughs> – and we all know how that match went, 18 seconds at Mania. But then they, they made up for it at Extreme Rules. But yeah, back with Drew. I don't see him getting that spot, especially now. Like, we would have said it. We said it, We were saying it last year. We are saying he was the Rumble favorite. And he looked great. Well, he actually was great. And then he got eliminated. And got eliminated kind of early. And I remember I looked at you and you're like, okay, that's it. All right. And Ziggler lasted. Ziggler came in, and he made a name, and now he's nowhere to be found. But I don't really see Brock losing anytime soon. I don't see The Fiend losing anytime soon. But like you said, if Bray were to lose the title, The Miz and Daniel Bryan sounds pretty damn solid to me. But my biggest thing is you got to leave Roman out of the title picture. They've already done it for most of this year, and I applaud them for that because I didn't think they would have the balls to do that. Because, again, it's Roman fucking Reigns. He looks like a Greek god. And, uh, yeah, looks like Thanos, honestly. And absolutely incredible. But moving forward, we got to wait and see. Because these title changes, I don't see it happening anytime soon. Unless Rey Mysterio. The only title change I'll see is probably Rey Mysterio. Because the U.S. title <laughs> doesn't mean shit. But, yeah, that's it for, that's it for this week's episode. Uh, what was this? Episode 60? 59, 60, whatever. It's one of those. Whatever. In the ballpark. <laughs> Hopefully, Alino, uh, the streak with Mikey's minute is over. Uh, ho- I don't know. Probably not. Never know every weekend. There seems to be someone coming up. 
Maybe 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 Zetterberg on Thursday will say, "Oh, I had a neck issue because Babcock forced me to play late in my career." That's <laughs> cool. The reason I went to the KHL wasn't for family reasons; it was to get away from him. Him, that monster. <laughs> See his eyes twitching in the interview, and just like it was him. It's like you go up to Ken Holland. So Ken, what were your thoughts on Mike Babcock? Mike Babcock, more like Ted Bundy. Guy's a freak. <laughs> Expect Mikey's minute to make a return oh. is all we're saying. That's it. Boom. First question. Uh, coming from the islands, uh, coming into the U.S. market, how did that first start and how did you get in? Um, uh, for, for, for me, uh, you know, it, it started in Southern California where, uh, you know, we kind of, my family immigrated to the United States and, um, you know, we uh, started a, a real small wrestling school that, you know, taught, you know, pro wrestling and lucha libre and, um, you know, after about a, you know, a year of training, I, I found my first contract in Japan, and from Japan to the United States to, to here. So I mean, it's uh, it's been it's been a long journey, but it's been pretty good. Cool. Uh, Joel, your career everywhere, all around the world, and uh, for many years you've been on smoking how WWE maybe one of hired you back like 10, 15 years ago. And you had to work hard, even coming up back from NXT. Now with NXT being I helped establish a third brand, a touring brand in WWE. I mean, NXT is a uh, is very much part of the uh, the WWE universe, and it's uh, you know it's it's it's, it's a powerhouse. I mean, they got tremendous athletes out there, and, and I'm very very happy to kind of be part of that evolution of that place down there. Uh, and as far as here, I mean, just uh, uh, I've been enjoying my time uh, on the main roster, and then the stuff they've been putting in front of me. So uh, you know, keep going. And you've been in the ring with guys like Brock Lesnar, Braun Strowman, and then other high flyers like AJ Styles. Have you been able to adapt? your career and you're wrestling in Japan, Mexico, United States, uh, you're going to have to have a working knowledge of all three styles, which do have very big differences, especially, you know, United States to Mexico, the, uh, there's a lot of technical differences in the style and, and how things are done, so, um, you know, having a, having a base knowledge of, of, of these styles, it helps you when you come up here because, you know, obviously we hire, uh, you know, athletes from all over the world from all different styles of professional wrestling and and uh, you know your ability to uh, mesh with them is, is pretty much you know based on your experience and, and if you you know worked with those type of styles before and that's that's pretty much been the basic the biggest thing. Final question for me: uh, You're on TV like playing the heel, and some guys when they come out they're supposed to be like the bad guy, but they get cheered. You've been able on the microphone to get the crowd to just boo you out the building. So do you think that's a lost art being a heel in today's uh, wrestling market? Uh. I mean, it, it, I I wouldn't say a lost art, but it's a it's, it's it's a it's a difficult art, and it's not one that many people can do because you know going out in front of a crowd of people it takes a lot of uh, self ego mastery. You have to be able to uh, kind of pull yourself out of the situation and know that I'm going out there to elicit a reaction from my crowd. And uh, you know, a lot of people have a lot of trouble with that. You know, a lot of people really. It's funny, but, you know, people say, well, I could be a mean person be booed by a lot of people. And then, you know, they get out there and they get booed and they don't quite like it. It doesn't feel right. And uh, I think my my biggest thing is I've always approached it with every time I go out there, I'm out there to pick a fight. And I don't care what anybody thinks of how I pick it. And uh, it seems to resonate with the fans, so it's okay. <laughs>
first question is similar to the last one. You are an animal, but uh, people are basically some joke, joke, joke. Can you see uh, your name as some joke things? Um, I mean, uh, I guess it's in the mind of the fans, you know. Uh, we'll see what happens in the next few weeks and, uh, you know, we'll kind of go from there. So yeah, there is a there is a bit of familiarity there. 